we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's up? What's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out. And today... Wall-to-wall coverage. Every second, we're going to be breaking down Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama. Wait, what's that? I'm just getting a word from my higher-ups that that we shouldn't talk about that. Okay, never mind then. We'll talk about KU instead. Uh, KU basketball, they are taking on Oklahoma tomorrow. We're going to get into that here in just a few minutes here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, Hunter Dickinson spoke to the media earlier in the day today. We'll get to that audio later on in this hour. Kent Swanson of the KC Laboratory Podcast on the Kansas City Sports Network is going to join the show around 3.40 to break down the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Miami Dolphins. At 4.05, we'll get into our game picks for the weekend of a super wild card weekend. Bill Self also met with the media. We'll hear from him coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And really excited to have Holly Kirkskeeter of the Kansas women's basketball team join the show around 4.45 later on in the 4 o'clock hour after KU got a big win over Baylor, uh, not giving Baylor their first loss of the season. We are out a little bit early here today on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. We're going to step aside for high school basketball coverage coming up at 5.30 here on KLWN with uh, LHS at Mill Valley. And yes, I just got word a few moments ago, the game's still on, even though the snow is coming down here in Lawrence. So Mill Valley and LHS uh, girls and boys basketball coming up later on tonight here on KLWN. RCST is brought to you, as always, by 23rd Street Brewery. And uh, yeah, Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama. I mean, KU taking on Oklahoma, (laughs) Kansas. Looking to bounce back from a loss against UCF. And this is a matchup of two teams that are both 1-1 one and one in Big 12 play. Both coming off losses. Both really probably feeling like they need to get a win here. Coming up tomorrow afternoon. Uh, our KU game previews are brought to you by CBB Analytics. They have shot charts. You may have seen them on social media. Maybe you have not quite sure uh, where they come from. But uh, this is the website, CBB Analytics. If you're a diehard college basketball fan, you're going to love this website. It's a deeper dive into the numbers for college basketball than any other website. More than 30 D1 coaching staffs use CBB Analytics for opponent scouting, and we will use it here as well to break down a little bit more deeper KU and Oklahoma. So as I said, both these teams are 1-1 one one in conference play. Kansas coming off a loss on the road against UCF in a game in which they were up by 16. Uh, in the first half, and then uh, lost late. Oklahoma coming off of a loss at TCU, uh, 80-71. to Of course, a team that pushed Kansas and nearly beat them at home uh, just last week. So uh, both teams feeling like they need a win. Right now, In if you look at Ken Palm, KU is 19. Oklahoma is 20. So this is a very, very tight matchup potentially. And uh, for Oklahoma, they do have so they have a couple nice wins. They beat, they beat Iowa State uh, by 8 at home. They beat Providence by 22. They beat USC earlier in the year. Uh, their two losses are to North Carolina and to TCU, as I just mentioned, uh, in their most recent game on Wednesday. They lost to North Carolina back on December 20th, 81-69. to But like I said, they do have some nice wins. Providence, uh, they beat Iowa also earlier in the season, 
beat Arkansas, who which Arkansas has been down this year, so maybe not as impressive of a win. And then they beat Iowa State at home before losing to TCU. And now they roll down Fieldhouse. And maybe feeling like they have a shot here to take down Kansas after the Jayhawks lost against UCF. Hunter Dickinson, it comes out, is dealing with a bruised knee situation, which we'll get more into that with Hunter Dickinson. He actually had a chance to talk about it here coming up uh, later on in this hour. But then uh, Bill Self met with the media earlier this afternoon. And, you know, I feel like we need to get into this right now with Bill Self saying that Johnny Furphy is going to get the start for Kansas. Uh, against against uh, Oklahoma coming up, so he, he went ahead and made the decision. You know, I had that conversation with Shreyas Lada, uh, the Kansas City Star, yesterday about, and actually did kind of ask him like, "Hey, you know, does the conversation need to be had about possibly changing up that starting five spot?" Uh, and Shreyas kind of posited, "Okay, maybe we wait and see if El Marco can bounce back a little bit." Well, Bill Self has decided, "Nope, we're going to make a change here and start Johnny Furphy over El Marco Jackson at the five position." El Marco zero points in the first in his first two Big Twelve games, uh, and I think what's really interesting about El Marco is obviously he has the fantastic game against Wichita State, which is the game right before conference play starts, and then he's just kind of fallen flat here and has gone a little bit timid. So Johnny Furby's going to get the start. Uh, I will continue to maintain that I don't really know if it matters which guy starts. I think they're both going to end up getting you know an even distribution of minutes. You go back to the UCF game. Johnny Furphy got 17 minutes. El Marco got 22, so maybe that's flipped. Maybe Johnny's getting 22 now if he's starting and El Marco's getting 17 instead. But I think the point being that I feel like both these guys are going to still need to be players that you expect to play double-digit, high teens, low 20 minutes per game on a game-by-game basis. right? I think both these players are going to be important players in the rotation. And so... Uh, I'll be curious to see. Sometimes maybe you know making a switch can can spark a guy, right? Can spark El Marco, and maybe he, he you know maybe there's less pressure on him. He feels like coming off the bench, uh, and he can have a chance to be more successful off the bench with Johnny Furphy getting the start uh, there. As uh, and we'll hear from Bill Self more coming up in the four o'clock hour about the reasoning behind that and kind of what his thoughts are as well as he had a chance to, to talk with the media earlier this afternoon. So we'll get into that later on in the, in the four o'clock hour. Break that more. Break that down a little bit more. Uh, as for Oklahoma, they are 13-2. and two. They are 1-1 one and one in the conference, as I said. Uh, and when you look at their numbers, they are strong on defense, very strong on defense. Eighth in the country in effective field goal percentage. They have a top-10 three-point defense as well in the country, which, you know, when you think about that, Kansas obviously has struggled from three a little bit, and this is a, def- this is a defense that uh, is pretty good from the perimeter, so we'll see if that continues uh, when they take on Kansas. Uh, as Kansas has not been great from the perimeter. Uh, the big thing, though, here that the big thing here when I look at Oklahoma is they are good, but not great when it comes to forcing turnovers defensively. They're 101st in the country in turnover percentage. So, you know, good in the top third in the country, basically, but not great, not elite. Uh, so you think about Kansas and what they've done over the past, over the past uh, two games that they've had. They've had, you know, back to back games with 18 turnovers, and you don't. You hope that that doesn't happen again. But that, that is something probably to keep an eye on. Obviously, with the way that these other two games in the Big 12 play have unfolded for Kansas is going to be that that turnover situation. And uh, Oklahoma, good but not great. Uh, they are 135th in the country in steal percentage as well. Uh, so they don't they aren't necessarily, again, solid, definitely above average, but not maybe necessarily elite. And so that'll be, to me, Something to keep a very, very close eye on uh, when considering Kansas here. So uh, that that 
the turnovers continue to be, I think, the, one of the bigger storylines for KU uh, coming into this game against Oklahoma. So uh, we'll see how basically how that plays out, I think, uh, for, for Kansas in this game uh, against Oklahoma. When you look at the offense for Oklahoma, they really rely on two guys. Otega Owe and Javion McCollum are the two guys that they lean on the heaviest. Uh, both of them averaging over 14 points per game. They do have another guy, John Hughley, who's averaging uh, just under nine, just under 10 points per game, and Jalen Moore also just under 10 points per game. But McCollum and Otega Owe are their top two guys. Uh, we've had Kevin Flaherty from 247 Sports on the show who's talked, to, who's raved a little bit about, raved a little bit about Owe and kind of the way he started his season, and for good reason. I mean, Otega Owe is he's 61 percent uh, from the floor, and he's shooting 67 percent from three so far this season. Now, on just 21 attempts, so barely over one attempt per game, not even one and a half attempts per game, but 14 of 21 from three so far this season, 67%. That is pretty crazy. 61% from the floor, 14.3 points per game. Uh, he's been really, really good. And then Javon McCollum, the transfer from Siena, who's been outstanding for Oklahoma. He is a, a very, very good three-point shooter on high volume. Uh, 93 or 40% from three. From McCollum on 93 attempts this season, so almost six, it's over six attempts per game from McCollum, and he's shooting at 40. percent So he is definitely a very quality uh, perimeter shooter, uh, and also a second on the team in assists uh, as well. So he's he's a guy to keep an eye on for sure. In terms of Oklahoma's size, though, they don't really have a ton. They start Sam Godwin, uh, who's their kind of their their five man. Uh, he does not shoot threes, and so you wonder what if Hunter Dickinson can find a way to exploit Godwin a little bit. He's listed at 6'10", 235. And then the, they don't really have a ton of size beyond that that they necessarily play that much, uh, really. So uh, that's something that I would keep an eye on. they got another 6'11 guy, uh, Luke Northweather, who comes off the bench a little bit, but playing six minutes a game. So the the size situation is interesting. But then, you know, you have to consider the fact that, well, Hunter Dickinson is, I mean, I think it's safe to say he's not 100%. Uh, I don't know what percent I would put him at to be honest, but he's you know he's playing with some kind of bruised knee it would seem, uh, and so uh, does that negatively impact the game or the game plan for him uh, coming into this game? So I don't know, I don't know. That's that's what I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, in terms of pace, Oklahoma is a bit of a faster team, but they not aren't they aren't the same speed as like a TCU. Uh, so we'll we'll see, but. Yeah, I think Oklahoma comes into this game thinking, hey, we have a chance here to to take our best shot at uh, at the top dogs in Kansas, a team that maybe is a little bit rattled after a loss to UCF like that. And if you're Kansas, you're looking for a spark, and, you know, at home, typically you do find that spark uh, when you look at, you know, the past with uh, with, with Kansas. So that'll be something to, to, to keep an eye on, certainly. I, again, I think I don't want to harp too much on the turnovers, but – it's definitely something you want to pay attention to, right? The turnover situation uh, for 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 this game, considering what Kansas has dealt with over the last two games, and that puts the spotlight again on Hunter Dick on uh, uh, Dewan Harris. Actually, pardon me, on Dewan Harris. Fairly, fairly or unfairly, uh, the spotlight gets put on him in situations like this to try to find a way to settle things down and, and lead this team. And Hunter Dickinson talked Hunter Dickinson talked a little bit about that, which we'll get to that audio coming up in just a, a few minutes here. You had a chance to talk to the media. Uh, but yeah, this is an Oklahoma team that, as a whole, very good from very good from the field. Uh, effective field goal percentage, top twenty in the country. They are top ten in the country in the two point percentage. So, really quality in terms of their shot selection and in terms of scoring. Uh, and their defense is pretty good overall. Uh, their rebounding, again, a, a very solid rebounding team. But you look back at, at KU and what they've done in the last two Big Twelve games. 
Rebounding has not been an issue for Kansas in their last two Big 12 games. Uh, you know, they out-rebounded UCF by four, out-rebounded TCU by 12. Rebounding has not been the problem. It's really been those turnovers, those turnovers. And when you look at Oklahoma, they have a pretty high turnover rate themselves offensively. They, they turned it over 18.6% of the time, which is 240th in the country. So bottom third, basically, of the country, they turn it over. So I don't know. Maybe if this game kind of gets uglied up, maybe you just hope that that Dewan Harris and Kansas can turn it over a little less than than Oklahoma does. Maybe that's kind of the one saving grace for Kansas is that if Kansas does still struggle and they turn it over a lot, maybe if Oklahoma also turns it over a lot, that kind of helps uh, helps Kansas there. So that that definitely seems like to be the uh, the top storyline. And then again, I think that besides that besides the turnovers, it's under Dickinson, right? What's his level of play? Uh, what you know is he? the dominant player we've seen him be, or does this knee kind of bother him a little bit? Does it limit him a little bit? Do we see more Parker Brown uh, in this game potentially, or is KJ Adams maybe playing more at the five? I mean, with El Marco, quote-unquote, coming off the bench in this game and Furphy getting the start, what if it's more of a uh, situation where you don't play Hunter Dickinson or when Hunter Dickinson comes off the floor, it's KJ Adams at the five with Johnny Furphy, Kevin McCuller, and El Marco and Dewan on the floor also, right? I mean, that could be a lot of potential you could maybe see in this game for Kansas. And then on the other side for Oklahoma, they now have, you know, some film of what UCF did on defense against Kansas. Do they try to do the same thing? Do they try to possibly switch things up with some zone and apply more pressure to Kansas uh, to try to rattle them a little bit? I don't know. Like I said, like I said yesterday, I think you're playing with fire a little bit. If you rely too heavily on maybe playing zone, because I think Bill self would be able to scheme up some things to kind of beat that pretty easily. So I'd be a little nervous about doing it too much, to be honest. Uh, but when when you look at elsewhere for Kansas and you consider Kevin McCuller and what he's been able to do in his clutch shooting, feels like he's going to need to step up again. And, you know, I talked about this. At the beginning of the season, it was, okay, KU has a big four, right, with Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCuller, DeJuan Harris, KJ Adams. Well, now it feels like KU kind of has a big three. DeJuan Harris not really there anymore in terms of his level of play. So it's KJ Adams, Hunter Dickinson, and Kevin McCuller. Well, if Hunter Dickinson's not 100%, he can't play as many minutes. Maybe it's like a big 2.5, and you need you know you need somebody else to pull that weight. Is it Kevin McCuller? Is it KJ Adams? Can somebody can somebody else pull up Kansas here uh, in a situation like this and, and and drive them to a win? You got Allen Fieldhouse. You got Bill Self. I mentioned this yesterday. The loss to UCF. You can kind of look at it two ways. Uh, you can look at it as maybe it's an indictment of some of the issues for Kansas that are going to keep cropping up over the course of Big 12 play, or you can look at it as, well, this is going to become a blip on the radar as Kansas uh, steamrolls through and, and is en route to another Big 12 title and probably a one seed. We'll see, right? And, but if you lose this game against Oklahoma, okay, suddenly things start to feel a lot more a lot more uh, dire for Kansas at that point because we've talked about quite a bit their upcoming schedule in February and how if you're, if you're Kansas – you really want to start these first eight nine games at seven and one or eight and one, and you've already dropped the game this, a game against UCF. You know, I mean, you got Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Cincinnati coming up. Three games you feel pretty good about, even though two of them are on the road against two of the worst teams in the Big Twelve. Uh, but then you have Iowa State in Ames on the twenty seventh of January. Then you have Houston on Saturday, February third. K State February fifth. Baylor February tenth. That three game stretch will be critical, and you want to go into that three-game stretch, probably, again, sitting at hopefully either with one loss or two losses max in conference. But uh, this is an Oklahoma team that I'm sure, you know, listen, 
this is a team under Porter Mosier where I think kind of the talk in the offseason for the Oklahoma was if they don't perform, what's Porter Mosier's future? And, uh, you know, what, what are they looking at? And, and here comes Oklahoma. They have a great start to their season, obviously, 13-2, and two, and probably feeling like they are in a pretty decent position here to battle Kansas here on uh, on tomorrow afternoon. So you'll be able to hear that game right here on KLWN with an 11.30 pregame for Crimson and Blue Show tip-off between Kansas and Oklahoma at 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon right here on KLWN. I think Kansas wins this game again if they win the turnover battle. Uh, and also if Hunter Dickinson is able to still be impactful, even if he ends up maybe playing a few less minutes than what we're normally used to seeing him. So that's going to be the biggest keys, I think, uh, for this game for Kansas. And uh, it seems it seems so simple, win the turnover battle. And yet it's something that Kansas has struggled with in their first two games so far in conference play. So uh, we're going to hear from Hunter Dickinson and hear what he had to say. Also going to hear from Bill Self. Both those guys sat down with the media uh, early this afternoon ahead of this matchup against Oklahoma. Kent Swanson from the Casey Laboratory podcast on the Kansas City Sports Network is going to join uh, the show at 3.40 to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Miami Dolphins. Game picks coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And really excited to have Holly Kirkskeeter uh, for the Kansas women's basketball team. She is the leader in three-point shots made now for Kansas. Broke that record last week against Texas Tech. Excited to have her come on the show. She'll be joining at 4.40, 4.45-ish. And then uh, we'll get into Rock Chuck Pickhawk and game picks in the 5 o'clock hour. Shorter show here out a little bit early for uh, high school basketball coverage. Lawrence High is at Mill Valley. Yeah, those they, those games you'll be able to hear right here on KLWN with myself and Craig Hershiser on the broadcast for those games. Tip-off at 5.30 for the girls and the boys shortly thereafter. We're going to take a timeout here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. As I said, we're going to hear from Hunter Dickinson, hear what he had to say about his own uh, bruised knee injury, and more coming up on the other side. You're listening to RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th and Black Bob in Aletha. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out. And it is the Friday before wildcard weekend. Oh, wait, my bad. Super wildcard weekend. Super wildcard weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Miami Dolphins, and I'm joined now by Kent Swanson from the Kansas City Sports Network and the KC Laboratory on the Kansas City Sports Network. Uh, Kent, first off, all week long, ever since this game became finalized after the Dolphins lost to the Bills, all week long it's been everyone immediately piling on the Dolphins saying it's over, they have no chance. Does that concern you at all, that literally everyone is giving the Dolphins zero chance? Does that, does that concern you? Yeah, a little bit, because um, I don't think the Dolphins have zero chance. I don't like their chances and I think the Chiefs should win this game but I mean this is a team that is not going to look like the one at least offensively that we saw against the against the Bills because they are returning two key players to their offense uh they're returning Jalen Waddle they're returning Raheem Mostert and you know in a game like this specifically Raheem Mostert is not somebody I would really enjoy trying to tackle um so yeah I mean I think, you know, seeing what this team saw last, you know, or what what fans saw last week with this team, it's going to be a better version of it. Um, still like the Chiefs' chances, but, yeah, it's, it's not a 0% odds for this team to pull it off. 
Yeah, when you think about this game, certainly the weather seems to be the kind of dominating storyline. I guess, what are you expecting with the weather? Do you think this is going to be a game where it's just going to be a lot of running the ball because of the weather, or do you think how much do you think it will really impact kind of the the strategy of the game from both sides? So I don't know if it's going to be the coldness that affects the game as much as it could be, you know, the wind. You know, if there's, if there's a lot of wind blowing, like maybe that is a factor that really contributes to this game's, you know, schematic change. Like I could see both teams trying to run the ball a little bit more, but I don't think they're going to completely try to abandon what's got them there to this point. They're going to try to run their offenses relatively as, you know, as similar as they have in the past or, you know, what they want their version of the offense to be in the playoffs. So, you know, I don't know if it's going to completely change how these teams approach it, but, um, you know, it, it, uh, it could, you know, it could a little bit just be depending on how the weather, you know, how the wind kind of affects it. You mentioned the Dolphins are getting a couple of players back on their offense. For the Chiefs, they got some news earlier in the week about a guy on their offense, Jarek McKinnon, going to be out for the rest of the playoffs. I guess how big of a loss is that, right? On one hand, he wasn't really a guy that they leaned on too much during the regular season, but maybe they were saving him for the postseason, but not going to have him, I guess. In your eyes, how big of a loss is that? Well, he's he's a sneaky, valuable player for this offense and always has been. And, you know, he's a guy that's really struggled with injuries over the course of his career. Um, and, you know, but what he provides this team is so valuable, you know, as a pass protector, um, as a reliable weapon out of the backfield. He does all the dirty work for this team, and he has done all the dirty work for this team over the course of his career uh, in Kansas City, and that's going to be a really tough loss for them to try to deal with because they don't have someone that can really step in there and handle things the way um, that he has been able to, you know, in his time uh, as a Chief. So, you know, it's a sneaky big loss, especially in the playoffs. The Chiefs also have questions at the tackle position coming into this game. But the Dolphins have a lot of questions, starting with their pass rush as well. What maybe most intrigues you about that matchup, if the Chiefs do try to pass a bit in this game with Mahomes, between the Chiefs' questionable tackle situation and the Dolphins, I guess, uh, uh, association of retired guys coming back to try to pass rush? Just a bunch of former Chiefs and also Bruce Irvin just decided to sign up to go play an Arrowhead one last time, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, Donovan Smith, I would prefer, you know, it would have been nice to see him get some run, you know, maybe last week just to try to knock the rust off. Um, but, you know, that, I, the pass rush that the Dolphins are going to throw at him might be an opportunity for him to, rust, to knock the rust off, too, because we're not really sure what we're going to get from that group. Um, so, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see <laughs> the clash of a guy coming back from injury who's been a limited participant all week and really hasn't played much football in, in the last month or so. And then some street free agents, you know, Bruce Irvin's 36 years old, Justin Houston coming back, you know, those those guys trying to go at it. Um, it, 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 it sneakily could be one of the storylines of this game is if the Dolphins are able to piece together a pass rush with a bunch of aging vets and if the Chiefs are able to handle it. Yeah, something else I'm curious about, curious about is you, you look at what the Dolphins – had in front of them with a chance to beat the Bills last week and win the division and, and become the two seed. For them to lose that game and kind of the ma- the, the manner that they did, uh, is there any concern you think from, from that standpoint of the Dolphins maybe coming into this game having been really defeated and now having to play in the cold, I mean, and try to get up for this game? Do you, do you think they'll, they'll be able to do that really coming into Arrowhead for this game? I think that absolutely could be a factor for this team just because they're running on fumes. They've been playing hurt. They've suffered a lot of attrition. And, you know, 
they looked lifeless in the second half of that game. You know, it, they their offense sputtered. They really weren't able to generate much anything. They give up a giant, you know, touchdown return that really ultimately loses them the game. Um, it's been tough sledding for this team. They gave away the division after having a sizable lead and a big opportunity to, you know, to close things out and, and win the division. So um, I could see some of those emotions playing. I mean, they played Sunday night football, having to go from Sunday night football to Saturday night football. That's a, a day that they've lost as they're trying to get ready, you know, for the, you know, for the, you know, the games to start. So, um, and, and they had to play week 18 where the Chiefs didn't. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that team handles that situation. And obviously these are two teams that have already seen each other once this season back in Germany. When you think about that game in Germany and what Steve Spagnuolo was able to do with the Chiefs defense against this Miami offense, how much do you think that previous matchup maybe affects the, the possible game plan coming into this game in terms of did Steve Spagnuolo maybe use too much? Does he still have more to show in this game against Miami? How much do you think that previous matchup maybe impacts the game plan heading into this game? Yeah, I'm not too concerned about Steve Spagnuolo not having enough or not showing, you know, enough or you're not showing too much. You know, I, he's done such a good job of peaking at the right time and still having plenty of tricks up his sleeve late in the season, and I expect that to be the case. You know, and, and the, the Chiefs, they're pretty good about when they have a pretty good feeling that they're going to see a team down the line, you know, they're going to show stuff, but they're not going to show everything. They're going to have stuff in the bag. If you think about the Bengals last year, um, you know, the Chiefs didn't move Chris Jones around at all in the regular season game. And then it, when it came playoff time, he just picked his matchups and, and went and dominated that, that offensive line for the Bengals. So um, I'm not too concerned about Spags showing too much, uh, in, in a previous matchup. Um, and, you know, I think both these teams are a little bit different too, right? I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Devin Achan. I think that's going to be a big factor for the Chiefs is, you know, how they how they stop the run against an electric player that can absolutely wreck this game offensively if the Chiefs let him. Yeah, speaking of that stopping the run for the Chiefs, you look at their linebacking situation with Drew Tranquil and, and Nick Bolton. What do you hope to see out of those guys in that linebacking core in a game like this where, as you said, you're going to be defending sideline to sideline against this uh, the speedy the speedy running backs that, that Miami has. It would be nice to see Drew Tranquil and Nick Bolton on the field together more. Um, you know, I, I feel like you know Drew Tranquil. I think has played has put the best tape of any linebacker for the Chiefs. And that includes when he had to play higher snap count when Nick Bolton was injured, and the Chiefs have kind of relegated him to more of a reserve role and in, in limited snap count playing thirty three percent of the snaps roughly in that area each week um, since Nick Bolton's return. And I'd like to see him replace, you know, a, a, a Leo Chanel or a, a, a Willie Gay more frequently and keep him on the field with, with Nick Bolton. I think that's the two best linebackers that this team has. So I'd like to have see them be more intentional about that. Um, so, you know, uh, hopefully that's the case. And you're right, the linebackers are going to play a big role in this game just because of how the Dolphins will stretch you horizontally and then attack you with the play action behind those linebackers. You know, it's felt like over the course of the second half of the season that some people have maybe resigned themselves to the fact that Travis Kelsey might be retiring after this season. Uh, but he made some comments about that earlier this week, suggesting that maybe that's not the case. What what was kind of your reaction to what he said uh, about the possibility of retirement uh, earlier this week? Yeah, I you know, I... I never really expected him to retire. You know, he said before the season until the wheels fall off, and I know some things have changed for him. 
you know, with, I don't know, dating Taylor Swift and Ooh. some of the acting opportunities. <laughs> yeah, she's a multi-platinum superstar, uh, you know, so. Oh, that's uh, Anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll educate you on her later. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah, I just, I, I never really bought that he was going to retire this year. That being said, he's definitely not the same player he was. And the Chiefs need to be really mindful of that when they're heading into this offseason about how they build this roster to help give Patrick Mahomes more weapons, more you know players that can play consistently because that's really the downfall of this team right now. That's why they are you know the three seed and not the two or the one seed for the first time in, in the Patrick Mahomes era. That's why it was a dogfight to close out the AFC. So... Uh, RAC West, so um, they got they they got to really take Travis Kelsey's age into consideration more than they ever have. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it's it, you're right. It seems pretty clear that he's maybe been slowed down a little bit this season. But I just have to wonder. I mean, do you expect him maybe to to still reach back and and find an extra gear here for the playoffs for this playoff push for the Chiefs? Oh, for sure. I think there's I think there's plenty left in the tank for him. And like I think we you know he still is almost a thousand yard receiver. You know, people forget that. Like, he was still almost, you know, uh, he was still a very successful player. It's just, you know, he has struggled with some injuries throughout the year, and teams have done a really good job of taking him away. Um, I think that they are going to be a lot more intentional with trying to get him involved. Um, I think he's going to put together, I mean, getting this rest was huge for him, I think. I know he wanted to go for a 1,000 yards, but I think him getting some, some time here to rest is going to be really crucial to his, you know, ability to sustain success in the playoffs. And yeah, I think there's, I think he's got some left in the tank and he's probably been holding back a little bit for, uh, for this opportunity here. Yeah. Beyond Travis Kelsey all season long, obviously the, the microscope has been on the, on the wide receiver group on the wide receivers. Now that we're here, now that we're actually heading into the playoffs uh, with this group of wide receivers that the Chiefs have, uh, what, what is your confidence level? I mean, do you feel like they could maybe maybe an MVS could rise to the occasion, or maybe a Kadarius Tony can make big play, or even a guy like Justin Watson? I guess well, what what are you expecting maybe from this group after they've been kind of maligned all season long? Yeah, I mean, I think you can you, you still might get a player or two out of MVS. You know, we've seen him make some plays, you know, in, in big moments for this team, and what a better way for him to kind of you know calm the nerves of some people here in Kansas City who have kind of been frustrated with his performance than to make a couple plays when it matters the most. And he's still some, still some downfield ability. Um, I don't know what to do with Kadarius Tony. I mean, I don't know if he should play, if he will play, how much they'll use him because there's just been so many inconsistencies. And you can point to some really crucial moments in his season where he's failed this team, you know, lining up offside, key drops. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do their best to mitigate this wide receiver group and, and maybe play a little heavier personnel in some of these games. You know, try to limit the opportunities and the snap downs to some of these guys. I could see that happening, um, but a couple of them are going to have to make a play or two if the Chiefs want to ultimately win the Super Bowl. If I guaranteed you for this game against Miami that Isaiah Pacheco would have over 100 yards rushing, do you think that guarantees a Chiefs win? Yes. If you told me that if you told me Isaiah Pacheco had 100 yards rushing, that tells me that they found a lot of success on the ground. It tells me that they were put in a game script situation that allowed them to find success on the ground. Um, so I would say that's probably a positive indicator. I don't think it's the ultimate deciding factor, but the byproduct of them having 100 yards rushing would mean that they have a lead. They're trying to manage that. They're putting some, you know, they're putting some uh, some drives together. They're playing from ahead. 
is is the is the sign that you would tell me. So yeah, if, if you've got a hundred, I'd, I'd feel pretty good about the Chiefs winning that football game. On on the flip side, if, if the Chiefs do lose this game, what do you think will be the biggest storyline out of it? What do you think everyone's going to be talking about on Monday if the Chiefs do end up losing this game to Miami? Well, they're going to be talking about the failures of the wide receiver core, how the Chiefs didn't give Patrick Mahomes enough weapons for the season, um, and how that really ultimately got exposed. Uh, I think they'll be, you know, I don't think that even if the defense fails, I think they'll still point to, well, the defense has been the driving force of this team's success all season long. And, you know, one bad game from them all of a sudden, it, you know, the offense couldn't do enough to help pick them up for once this entire season. So, you know, I don't know if there's going to be, I, I think it's going to ultimately fall on the things that have kind of ailed this team the entire year, ultimately those pass catchers. And then what you'll see is an aggressive correction to give Patrick Mahomes more around him to find success for 2024. How much money would I have to pay you to go to the game on Saturday night, tomorrow night, with no shirt, no shirt on? Oh, you, I, billions. <laughs> I mean, I, there's just, I, there's just no chance. I don't know. I, it would take a, a, a ridiculous amount of money to get me out there doing that. I just, there's no chance. I, I refuse. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I could do it. I think I might. I think I might have to get medical assistance like halfway oh, yeah. through the game if I did that. Yeah, for sure. No, I you know I've I have uh, some memories of going to Chiefs Raiders on Thursday night football in December. I think five six years ago at, at that point, and uh, the temperatures were not as cold as they're expected to be tomorrow, but very cold. And I I thought I was no longer going to survive, honestly. So uh, I, I get it. I wouldn't want to do that either. Uh, he is Kent Swanson of the KC Laboratory Podcast on the Kansas City Sports Network. Kent, appreciate your time as always. Uh, hopefully, you're going to be watching the game from a warm spot uh, tomorrow, and uh, hopefully the Chiefs get home a W, and we can be talking more possibly in the future about the Chiefs advancing in the playoffs. Kent, appreciate your time as always, and uh, I guess stay warm this weekend. Yeah, man. All right, that was Kent Swanson of the KC Laboratory Podcast on the Kansas City Sports Network, joining us here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk, talking all things Chiefs ahead of the Kansas City-Miami game tomorrow night at Arrowhead Stadium. As a reminder, for that game, we're going to be able to air some of it here on our Westwood One coverage here on KLWN. Uh, we're going to be airing the KU women's basketball game tomorrow night from 6.30, the tip-off at 6.30 for KU against Oklahoma State. But immediately following the conclusion of that game, we will be switching over to Westwood One's radio broadcast coverage of the Chiefs and the Dolphins. So maybe if you don't want to pay for Peacock or uh, if you can't get the, the local channels here, you can uh, t- tune in on the radio here on KLWN on Westwood One, and you'll be able to hear all of Westwood One's coverage here on KLWN of the NFL playoffs all weekend long, including all day on Sunday with those matchups as well. So be sure to check that out. One hour down here on the show, an hour and a half to go. We're out a little bit early to switch over to high school basketball coverage of Lawrence High taking on Mill Valley. We're going to get to our game picks coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Also going to hear from Bill Self ahead of the Oklahoma game tomorrow. And a very special guest joining us later on in the 4 o'clock hour, Holly Kirkskeeter of the Kansas women's basketball team, is going to join the show coming up around 4.45-ish. And in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to our Rock Chuck Pickock and KU game picks for KU Oklahoma tomorrow afternoon. One hour down, two hour and a half to go here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. 4 o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out, but the show goes on here on this Friday. As a reminder, we're going to be out a little bit early on the show today as we'll switch over for high school basketball coverage coming up later on tonight. Lawrence High is at Mill Valley, and they will be in action with the girls starting at 530 and the boys shortly thereafter, so we'll have coverage of that coming up 
later on this evening uh, on KLWN. And as a reminder, you can also hear the KU men and the KU women's basketball games tomorrow on KLWN with the men's coverage beginning at 11.30 a.m. with the Crimson and Blue Show tip-off for KU in Oklahoma at 1 o'clock. And the women will be tipping off at 6.30 with pregame coverage beginning at 6.15 here on KLWN. And also, immediately following the KU women's game tomorrow night, we'll be switching our coverage to Westwood One's radio broadcast coverage of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins in the NFL playoffs. And on Sunday, we'll be having all of the NFL playoffs right here with Westwood One on KLWN. All right, let's get into our game picks. Speaking of the NFL playoffs, let's get into the game picks for the NFL playoffs here coming up on uh, Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And uh, here on KLWN. So college football is done. As of right now, I am 109 and 92 and 6 overall. Derek is 108 and 94 and 5 overall. Derek submitted his picks uh, earlier in the day today via his uh, home or wherever he may be at, hopefully taking care of his uh, family. And uh, in college football, I finished 42 and 43 and 2. Derek finished 39 and 46 and 2 in college football. In the NFL, I am 50 and 32 and 3. Derek has caught up though. He is 50 and 33 and 2. So literally just one game off of what I have. I went 3 and 2 last week. Derek went 4 and 1 as we enter into the NFL playoff Super Wild Card weekend. Let's start here with Cleveland at Houston. Cleveland Browns, the fighting Joe Flacco's against Houston with CJ Stroud and the young offensive and the young uh, coach D'Amico Ryans. What is the pick here? Cleveland is minus 2 against Houston. Listen, Rookie quarterbacks against top defenses generally do not fare well. I'm going to go with Cleveland here. I'm going to go with Cleveland minus the two. I just think that, uh, to me, this game will be about Joe Flacco just not screwing it up, and Cleveland's defense, I think, will get the job done against Houston. I like the Browns. Derek has also gone with Cleveland in this matchup. Cleveland minus two at Houston. Give me the Browns. Then the big one, tomorrow night, Miami at Kansas City. Temperature is going to be, I think it's, Predicted to be the third coldest game in NFL history, potentially, tomorrow night between Kansas City and Miami. The the Dolphins never win games under 40 degrees, and this is going to be significantly lower than 40 degrees, what they're going to be feeling tomorrow night. The Chiefs are minus five against the Dolphins at Arrowhead Stadium. You know me, man. I got to go with the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs here. Uh, Listen, the, the, the deck is stacked against the Dolphins in this game. There's no question about it. That does concern me a little bit, though, the fact that seemingly all week long, this the storyline has been the Dolphins have no chance. The Dolphins are not going to be able to do, deal with the cold. They're going to they have no shot to win this game. That definitely concerns me, like legitimately. I, I am concerned about that. But that being said, I feel like the Chiefs still find a way to get it done in the cold. Uh, I like Isaiah Pacheco to run wild in this game. I like the Chiefs minus the five. Derek is going with Miami. Derek is going with Miami plus five. Uh, I could see it. I mean, I could see the Chiefs not covering for sure. Uh, I <clears throat> I kind of view this game as I think it might play out in, in a scenario where it's in classic Chiefs fashion. It'll feel like the Chiefs are in control and really dominating the game, and it'll be like 17 to 13 late fourth, and Tua will have the ball driving. That's that's kind of what I think is probably going to happen. But I feel like the defense does what they need to do and gets the W for the Chiefs. So I'm going to go with Kansas City. I guess 17-13, Kansas City would not cover that. So I'm going to say Kansas City's going to cover, though. <laughs> Give me Kansas City. Uh, Pittsburgh is at Buffalo in the 2-7 matchup. The Bills hosting the Steelers after winning against Miami last weekend to lock up the two-seed in the AFC East. The Bills are 10-point favorites against the Pittsburgh Steelers. who will be rolling out Mason Rudolph. That's such a huge line, man. I, I have to go with the Pittsburgh here. Like, 
and think about it. Pittsburgh, I mean, if the if the Bills' offense is really on, maybe they get it done and they can win by, by 10 or more. But I just think that with the Steelers' defense, I understand no T.J. Watt, but I still think the Steelers are going to find a way to keep this close. That's just what the Steelers do, man. That's just what the Steelers do. They play close games, and they win close games. I don't know that they're going to win on the road against against Buffalo, but uh, I think they definitely keep it within 10. I'll go with the Steelers. Derek agrees with me. He is also going with the Steelers here over uh, against Buffalo. Pittsburgh, plus 10. That's the AFC. And we look at the NFC. Green Bay at Dallas. Dallas is minus 7. Dallas has an incredible home winning streak. They've been really, really good at home. And now you've got kind of this clash of the Cowboys have been really good at home, but they're also the Cowboys. They choke in the playoffs. But would they choke in this round against the Packers? I don't know. And and if you've been listening to the show, you know me, man. I'm a big believer in Jordan Love, actually, now. I've really come around on him. I think he's a really quality quarterback. <clears throat> and I think Green Bay is going to be a team that you're going to have to contend with in the NFC uh, going forward. I'm going to go with Green Bay plus the seven. I don't know that Green Bay wins this game, but I think they maybe put a little bit of a scare into the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the uh, the Packers here. Plus the seven. Derek's leaning into Dallas being great at home. He has picked the Cowboys in this one. So Derek is going with Dallas. I'm going with Green Bay in this game. Again, I don't think Green Bay is going to win, but I will take Green Bay plus the seven points on the road against Dallas. Then maybe one of the most anticipated playoff matchups this weekend at the LA Rams at Detroit with the fascinating clashing storylines of Jared Goff facing the Rams versus Matt Stafford facing the Lions. You know, the Lions are a fun story, but now it's it's real, right? It's real for the Lions here against the Rams. The Rams have been playing pretty hot, by the way, lately. I'm going to go with the Lions, though. I think the Lions do, do get over the hump here and get a playoff win. Uh, I don't know how much farther Detroit will go in the playoffs, uh, but I do like them here against the Rams. I will take Dallas or I will take Detroit. They are minus three, so I will take the Lions minus three. Derek agrees. He goes. He's going with Detroit as well at the minus three, taking on the Rams. So that should be a, a very exciting game. And certainly, you know, storyline wise, like I said, maybe one of the most anticipated games of the Super Wild Card weekend. Rounding out the NFC on Monday Night Football is the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A game that, you know, if you would have said this was going to be a playoff game maybe, you know, six weeks ago, you would have said, wow, the Eagles are going to win this game huge. But the Eagles have completely fallen apart. They've got injuries. They they can't seem to get out of their own way. They are dealing with all sorts of problems. And because of that, they get only three-point favorites on the road against Tampa Bay. This is everyone's hot pick for an upset, I think, in the playoffs at this point. Is Tampa Bay at home against Philadelphia? For that reason, I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Give me the Eagles minus three. Philadelphia three-point favorites, and I'll take them. Philadelphia. I think they'll find. I think they find a way to get it done. I think they find a way to get it done, get back on track, and I think they will continue to be a threat in uh, in these playoffs going forward. I'll take the Eagles. Derek has decided to go and take Tampa Bay instead, so Derek has gone with the Bucks. So that's Super Wild Card Weekend game picks here. Cleveland at Houston, Miami at Kansas City, Pittsburgh at Buffalo in the AFC, in the NFC, Green Bay at Dallas, the Rams at Detroit, Philadelphia at Tampa Bay, and uh, locks of the week for this week. I am 9-8 and eight in my locks of the week. Derek is 8-9, and nine, so we're both basically right at 500. Derek's lock of the week, he has gone with the Dallas Green Bay over 50, over 50 and a half for his lock of the week here. 
I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Uh, Dallas will score a lot of points, especially at home. They've been they've blown out some teams at home by a lot of points. Maybe they score a lot here against Green Bay. That's Derek's lock of the week. My lock of the week, I'm going with the Chiefs-Dolphins under 43-and-a-half. Uh, you could have gotten a lot better value on this if you bet it earlier in the week. I think the number was closer to 45 or 46 uh, on the over-under earlier in the week. But uh, as we make these picks here on this Friday, they're at 43. So I'm going to go with the under there. I still feel good about 43. You know, given the weather, given the, the, the Chiefs defense and how well they played, I think this is going to be more of a low-scoring game, and I think it will go under 43. That is my pick for Chiefs and the Dolphins. That's our game picks here for the Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. College football is done. Those are our picks for the NFL here as we head into the Super Wild Card Weekend. Again, the Chiefs-Dolphins game. You'll be able to hear some of that game on the radio coverage on Westwood One right here on KLWN. We're going to be switching over to that coverage after the uh, KU women's game against Oklahoma State tomorrow night. The KU women tip off at 6.30, so you figure that coverage should be wrapping up close to 9-ish. So you might get the... The second half, basically, of the game between the uh, Chiefs and the Dolphins here on Caleb Ewen with Westwood One's coverage. And then on Sunday, we have you covered here all day long on Caleb Ewen with Westwood One's coverage of the NFL playoffs here on Sunday. That's our game picks for this week here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Reminder, we are out a little bit early here on today's show as we get into some high school basketball coverage later on tonight with Lawrence High taking on Mill Valley. Girls tipping off around 530 and the boys shortly thereafter. All right, Bill Self met with the media earlier this afternoon to talk about Oklahoma and more. We'll get to that audio coming up next. Also, a fun conversation with Holly Kirkskeeter of the K Women's Basketball Team. That's coming up later on in the 4 o'clock hour. And also, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to our Rock Chuck pick a and game picks for KU and Oklahoma. And like I said, we'll be out at about 520-ish, 525 here on, today, on today's show as we get to coverage of women's basketball here on our on a KLWN with RCST. So, Bill Self, he's up next here on Rock Talk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Welcome back into Rock Talk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, and right now we have a very special guest on the line with us here, none other than Holly Kirkskeeter from the Kansas women's basketball team. KU got a big win over Baylor, uh, which we'll get into here in a little bit and uh, as they move into conference play. Uh, but first, Holly, thanks so much for, for coming on here. Uh, you ultimately made the decision to, to return for this season. Kind of what went into that and what made you decide that that was uh, what you wanted to do? Uh, hi, thank you for having me. Um, I think, you know, my decision, a lot of it was based academically. I actually haven't finished my undergrad, so I think that was my first uh, My first goal was to finish that, you know, originally when I even came to college, so, and I hadn't accomplished that yet. So, um, you know, obviously I wanted to, to do that, and then, you know, playing basketball was a decision in itself, um, and I just kind of thought to myself, you know, if I'm here on campus and I'm and I still have the opportunity to play and you know do something really cool and something that I enjoy, you know, why pass up one more year to do it? So I kind of separated the two and then came to one final conclusion. And it was just you know sitting right there and I was just like, you know, I I can't just quit something that I've really dedicated myself to for four years. And uh, I felt like you know there was a lot of unfinished business. So you know I. I wanted to come back. Yeah, you weren't the only one that decided to come back. A couple of the members came back as well. Did that factor in at all, knowing that, hey, you could have, you know, kind of the whole band back again for to run it back for this season? I mean, definitely. I mean, it's 
a pro is something you would, you know, probably evaluate when you're sitting down trying to think about it. But at the same time, there's also the difference between, you know, making a decision on your own. I remember the three of us, you know, me, KB, and, and Twin and I, uh, we really didn't talk much about it as a group. It was just like, you know, we're all individuals. We're all adults. Um, this is something we all want to do, and I have to decide, you know, as individuals. So, but but yes, I mean, them being here was definitely a, a good part of the deal. For you individually coming back, it ultimately led to you last week breaking the three pointers record for most made threes in program history at KU. What did that mean to you? And and kind of take me through a little bit of when that happened. Kind of what what was going through your head? Um, you know, I think I knew it was coming up kind of around the corner. I was getting close to it. Everyone would, everyone would kind of like subtly ask me about it and try not to bring it up, but then they would just kind of be like, aren't you close to a record or something? Um, and I knew I was close. I wasn't sure like when I was going to tie it, when I was going to break it. Um, I just knew, Hey, just continue to do what you're doing and that'll all work itself out. Uh, I think in game, obviously, you know, we, we lost that game, so my mind wasn't on that. Um, but afterwards, you know, the the love and just support I received, it was pretty overwhelming in a in a good way. Like I don't know, I I didn't think it was maybe as big of a deal as it came to be. Um, but just like I said, the the support and the tension I received from it, I you know, it was just another reason why. You know, KU is, is so important to me because of, you know, what they showed me. So it really meant a lot afterwards and kind of realizing what I actually had done was, was really cool. Yeah, it's certainly a huge deal. And, and speaking of that three-point shooting as well, kind of since the start of conference play, you've been shooting it at 60% in conference. It, it, do you feel like there's something that's maybe clicked for you at the start of conference play or what's maybe got you going, you think, from from the uh, from the perimeter in conference play? You know, I hate to say it, but I really do have kind of like this mind shift when it comes to conference. Um, once you wrap up the non-con and, you know, I've played in conference for a long time now. And it's not that I'm, you know, more locked in or anything, but it's just like, okay, you know, these games matter a little bit more now. You're you're playing for something a little different than these games prior. Um, you know, I know these teams pretty well that I've played against. So, I don't know, I, I was just really excited to have this opportunity to do it one more time, and uh, I've just been, I haven't changed anything, if that's what you mean. Like, I don't know, people ask me all the time, like, why are you shooting the ball so well, or you're doing this, you're doing that, what what happened, and you know, I don't change my routine, um, I just kind of go in and, you know, be myself and do what I'm supposed to do, and uh, usually it, it works out, and it's been working out, so. Yeah, there's not much to it. <laughs> well, whatever you're doing, it's certainly been clicking for you and for the team as well as it led to a big win against previously undefeated Baylor. Uh, I guess, what do you think this, that win just means for this team? Kind of got off to a slow start in conference play, but a win like that, what do you think that means for uh, for this team going forward? You know, if you cross out all the stuff about Baylor being Baylor, I mean, I know they were number four. I know they were undefeated. Um I think we just needed a momentum shift in conference play. I mean, I think when you look at the Big 12 and just the competitiveness of this league, um, we're not looking at it necessarily as a team as, okay, we knocked off number four um, and did all this record-breaking stuff. We literally looked at it and said to ourselves, okay, 
we needed uh, we needed a win, and now we just keep it going. So them, you know, being undefeated and all the hype around the game was honestly just a bonus. You know, we were just looking to uh, find something to get ourselves going, and uh, we finally, you know, put our foot on the gas and and got and got it started. So it was a lot of fun. You know, everything around it afterwards was, like I said, just a bonus. So now that you know we've got a win under our belt. And it helps that, you know, it was number four team. Uh, you know, now we're just excited for the next one. Yeah, take me through that that locker room celebration a little bit. There were some videos of it. Obviously, you guys were having a good time with with Tyana Jackson. What was that celebration like after the game in the locker room? I mean, it was great. We we haven't had that moment all year. We've been waiting for that moment. You know, we played top ten teams, came up short. Um, and when you have things like that to celebrate, like her performance, one thousand points. You know all these good things. It just it just adds to it. I mean, it's a it's an environment we haven't had in a long time. You know, since last year. So uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we've we haven't um, like I said, we haven't had that big moment yet. And uh, you know, it's fun when everyone comes back there. Travis came back there. You know, all the team doctors and, and staff members and stuff. So it's just a lot of fun. Um, a lot of good things to be said and, and celebrated. Yeah, I felt like that game kind of turned in the third quarter. You guys outscored Baylor by 16 points in that third quarter. Uh, what, what was kind of the difference coming out of half, or was there any discussion in the halftime locker room that kind of helped spark you guys to start that second half of that game? You know, X's and O's, not necessarily. I know we were shifting kind of back and forth from man to zone. So I think there were some little, little like quirks in there of maybe little things to fix. But, no, I mean, I think our third quarter – run stemmed from our second quarter run, you know, when we tied it at the buzzer. And Maya had a really good play. Um, but but not really. I mean, I remember sitting there and, you know, we didn't make any huge adjustments. We didn't change anything. We didn't, you know, get yelled at. <laughs> um, it was just like, okay, you know, maintain what we have and, and keep it going. Because when you say 16-0 run, that doesn't even register. Like, I don't even, doesn't even feel that way. It just felt like you know, we were playing. We were playing our game, and then we, you know, looked up and we were up by ten in the third quarter, and it was like, okay, well, let's just keep doing what we're doing. We're talking with Holly Kirkskeeter of the women's basketball team here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I did want to ask you about Samaya Nichols. Was there a moment maybe when she first joined the the program where you kind of felt like, wow, she could be really, really special, even as, even as a freshman? Was there kind of that moment maybe where you were like, okay, this she has a chance to be very, very good very quickly here uh, with this team? Um, yeah, honestly, back in the summer, there were literally five of us here. Um, our, our team came together pretty late last summer and we literally had the five, the people who are the five starters now, it was just us practicing. I mean, we had no subs and we were actually practicing at the rec center because it was when the men had their like big camp going on. So all the gyms were being used and, you know, our first little, get together kind of scrimmage as a team was um, in the rec center. And it was literally just the five of us. And I remember, you know, we were scrimmaging against, you know, some coaches, some managers, maybe whatever. And, you know, somebody made a few good plays. And, you know, as a freshman, you kind of think in your head, well, that's great. You know, we have a freshman who can, you know, fill a role or, you know, be confident and, and, you know, a lot of things cross your mind. And then it was like one good play after another and another. And, um, 
I kind of thought to myself, okay, you know what? She's really good. <laughs> and it was just like a buildup of, okay, you know, she keeps showing me different things that she can do. And, uh, you know, when you're scrimmaging like that and for the first time as a, as a team, like somewhat of a team, you know, you don't think, oh, okay, I'm going to keep passing the ball to the freshman or, you know, I'm going to let her do everything because, you know, I'm not going to put that type of pressure on her. Um, but clearly she showed that she could do that. So I just remember in the summer thinking, you know, this is really good. <laughs> and it was just kind of one thing at a time. And then it continued to build up. So, uh, cause no matter what someone says about a freshman, you know, you wait until you, you see them. And, uh, I just remember that. And it was a lot of fun. Um, the five of us and I just, I'll never forget that. So, yeah. That's, that's pretty great. That's pretty cool. Uh, what is it about her specifically do you think makes her this good as a freshman right now? Is it her confidence? Is it her versatility? What, what do you think really sticks out as making her so good right now? Um, you know, I think she has great versatility uh, on the offensive end. Uh, but honestly, I think it comes back to her attitude and practice. You know, she doesn't just play basketball. She listens, she watches, she pays attention, she asks questions. Um, she knows what types of reads we're looking for in different plays. She knows, um, you know, what we're trying to get with the offense. And just different scenarios, she has an IQ. And it's not just because she's physically skilled. It's because she, you know, takes the time to watch the game and learn the game. And even, you know, watching us as teammates and learning how we play. Um together as a team so i know everyone talks about her you know skills as a player but i see her every day in practice and she's just as locked in as, as anyone else and you know pays a lot of attention and i think that's a valuable skill just as much as any other so you guys got that big baylor win what, what do you think is going to be the biggest key now to, to building on that going forward in the rest of conference play and, and another year of, of where the big 12 is going to be pretty tough you know we talked about this uh, prior to Baylor and you know it's just kind of that time of year where it's hard to sit and say like okay what do we need to change what do we need to keep and and all that because uh, you you know you can win one you can lose one you know how do we adjust and uh, I mean obviously you adjust personnel wise but you know we're not going to we're not going to change a lot you know our you know our, our defense was successful our zone was successful you know we had successful offense um Routine-based, you know, we, we kind of just stay who we are. And uh, we try to keep rolling as, as who we are as a team. So that's a great question. I, think, I know people ask it a lot, and it's hard to really put it down to one thing. But just keep doing what we do and, you know, take it one game at a time. And I think, obviously, we were the aggressor, and we have to stay, you know, being the aggressive team. She is Holly Kirk, Skeeter of the women's basketball team. Holly, appreciate your time so much, and uh, good luck the rest of the season to you ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, that was Holly Kirk, Skeeter of the Kansas women's basketball team and the record holder for most three-pointers made in KU history joining us here on the show. Thanks so much to Holly for coming on. And uh, Kansas, as I said, coming off that big win against Baylor, they look to follow it up with another victory at home. They're going to be taking on Oklahoma State at home tomorrow, 6.30 tip. You'll be able to hear that game if you can't make it out to it. You know, it's going to be cold out there, but definitely go out and support if you can. But if you can't, you'll be able to hear that game right here on KLWN. Pre-game coverage will begin at 6.15 for a 6.30 tip-off between Kansas and Oklahoma State. 
right here on KLWN. Two hours down here on the show. Coming up, we'll get to our Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk. Reminder, we are out a little bit early here as we'll switch over to high school basketball coverage coming up with Mill Valley and Lawrence High. That's coming up at around 5.30 for the girls, and the boys will follow there shortly after. So 30 minutes, a little bit shorter here on the show today for RCST, but we got Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk for the KU men and our game picks for KU coming up next. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out tending to his newborn baby and their family sounds, everything sounds safe with them. So great to hear. Congratulations to Derek. He'll be back maybe sometime later next week. Not really sure, but holding it down for you here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And we're going to be out early today. Uh, to scoot aside for high school basketball coverage coming up. It'll be Mill Valley hosting Lawrence High. The girls will start around 5.30 and the boys at 7. Myself and Craig Hirschheiser will have the broadcast of those games coming up in just a few minutes here on KLWN. And uh, you'll be able to hear those games right here uh, tonight for uh, some high school basketball coverage. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll have KU coverage for the men and the women. Men's coverage will start at 11.30 a.m. for a 1 p.m. tip-off against Oklahoma. And the women's coverage will start at 6.15 for a 6.30 tip-off against Oklahoma State. And as a reminder, immediately following the conclusion of the women's basketball broadcast tomorrow night, we will be switching over to Westwood One's coverage of the NFL playoffs. uh, So you'll be able to hear the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins game uh, after the conclusion of the KU women's game here on KLWN. And KLWN will also be carrying all of Westwood One's coverage for the radio broadcasts of all the NFL games on Sunday as well. So you'll be able to hear all of the NFL action over the course of this weekend uh, right here on KLWN with Westwood One. As a reminder, if you missed anything from today's show or any of our previous shows, you can check that out on the Best of RCST podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts, and also at KUSports.com. We had a great conversation earlier in the show today with Kent Swanson from the Casey Laboratory and Kansas City Sports Network, and also uh, had a great discussion with Holly Kirkskeeter of the KU women's basketball team. She is now the uh, record holder for most three-point shots made in KU history, so pretty cool conversation with her early in the show. If you missed that, check it out on our Best of RCST podcast. All right, so time for our KU game picks and Rock Chuck Pickahawk here on RCST as KU takes on Oklahoma tomorrow afternoon right here on KLWN. And this game suddenly takes on a lot more importance because of the fact that Oklahoma uh, lost against TCU and KU lost against UCF. So th- these are now two teams that are 1-1 one and one in conference play, and you pr- really don't want to be starting 1-2 and two in conference play, especially in the Big 12. And when you look at Kansas, I talked about this earlier in the show, but when you consider the discussion around KU's conference schedule of, well, at least it's pretty easy to start, well, that's uh, that's it, if it's not easy if KU's not winning. And then you think they flip, flip the calendar in February and things get really tough. So for Kansas, I think this game is extremely important to make sure they stay on track and uh, try to finish out the rest of this uh, month of January on a positive note because, again, in February, things get really tough for Kansas. But typically, that is when Bill Self coach teams play their best. So I, I – I do think this game's really important, but I'm not overly concerned per se about Kansas coming into this game against Oklahoma, although I do think it should be a very intriguing matchup uh, between KU and Oklahoma. But first, Rock Chalk Pickahawk here on RCST. I am 6-12. and Derek is 12-6. and Derek got another win in Rock Chalk Pickahawk after the UCF game, and uh, he texted in his picks earlier today. To me, the picks went like this. Derek took Hunter Dickinson first overall. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Oklahoma, in terms of uh, what they have at the five position, they don't really have a ton of depth. They have the, that Sam Godwin, who's kind of their main uh, five man, but 
don't really have a ton of hype behind that. So this feels like a game where Hunter Dickinson should be able to do his thing. But how much will his bruised knee that Bill Self was not concerned about factor in? Mm, I don't. That could be tough to say. Time will tell on that one. Uh, I went with Kevin McCuller. Kevin McCuller continues to be a clutch player that KU can rely on. And when it comes to Pickahawk, where the rules are one point for every point, two points for every rebound and assist, three points for blocks and steals, but you lose one point for every minute played. Kevin McCuller has been very reliable because he's been really filling the stat sheet with a lot of points, uh, getting some pretty good amount of rebounds and some assists as well. So I like Kevin McCuller uh, for my pick here for Rock Chalk Pickahawk. And then I went with Johnny Furphy. I kind of mixed up my strategy a little bit, went with some bench guys, and it didn't really work out for me because I had El Marco Jackson last week who had, or not last week, last game against UCF who had negative 16 points in Pickahawk. So uh, I decided to go with Johnny Furphy this time. I'll be curious to see how, what his minute, what the minute distribution looks like in this game, and what El Marco Jackson looks like. Right? I mean, he's now had two really bad games uh, to start conference play. While meanwhile, Johnny Furphy has shown flashes of what he can bring to the table. So, what does that look like? El Marco played about 22 minutes against UCF. Furphy played about 17 minutes. So again, is that is that distribution still pretty close, or maybe even does Furphy get a little bit more run in this game if El Marco continues to struggle? So I like Johnny Furphy here for Pickahawk. Uh, Derek went with KJ Adams and Parker Brown. Uh, KJ Adams is a very, very efficient player, obviously, uh, and very reliable. And uh, you'd like to see him continue to build on his rebounding ability. He had a double-double against TCU, uh, against UCF, not so much. But you'd like to see him continue to add and and continue to be uh, a guy that KU can rely on, right? Because right now, when you look at Kansas – it, originally coming into the season, it was, okay, you got a big four with Hunter Dickinson, McCuller, K.J. Adams, and Dewan Harris. Well, lately it's felt more like a big three with just Dickinson, McCuller, and K.J. Adams. And if that's going to be the case, those three guys maybe really might have to pull even more weight than usual. And so uh, K.J. Adams is Derek's pick. And then with Parker Brown. Uh, and Parker Brown is a, is a guy that is a really, really good pick and pick a hawk uh, because he's not going to generally get you negative points because he doesn't normally play enough and he's usually good for you know a couple points and a rebound or something like that over the course of a game so he went with Parker Brown with his third pick I did go ahead and pick Dewan Harris uh, I didn't love the pick at the time with Dewan uh, just because he's probably going to be playing a lot of minutes and again he's he's been uh, you know kind of struggling at times uh, but he's definitely still good for a lot of assists which are great for Pickahawk and maybe he can score a little bit and get into double figures for Kansas and help them win this game against Oklahoma. Feels like Dewan Harris. Feels like Dewan Harris needs a a, a game where it just everything goes kind of hundred percent right for him. To which he can say, "Okay, I'm kind of back now. I feel pretty good." So Dewan Harris is my pick, and then I wrapped it up with Nick Timberlake. Uh, I just with El Marco Jackson and the way he's been playing the last two games, I just wanted to basically not pick El Marco. So I decided to go with Nick Timberlake. Uh, he'll probably get a little bit more minutes here. Maybe he can get hit some threes. Uh, against Oklahoma, and Kansas may need that shooting, right? Oklahoma's three-point defense is really, really good, but you figure Kansas needs to still be able to find some success from the outside, and maybe Nick Timberlake could provide a little bit of a spark uh, from the perimeter potentially off the bench. Uh, because, you know, even though you go back to the UCF game and the, the moment that sticks out the most with Timberlake was obviously him ripping the ball away and go, almost going into the student section and potentially starting what looked like was going to be a little bit of a brawl. But uh, in the end, it ended up being fine. But still, um, that's kind of his biggest moment uh, from the game against UCF. But uh, can he can he get more involved, right? I mean, you know, he had the Yale game earlier in non-conference play, but it doesn't still doesn't quite feel like he has fully shown up yet. And I continue to believe that Timberlake is a guy that KU needs to be able to play at a higher level 
if KU wants to go deep in the NCAA tournament and make it and win the Big 12 title. That could be said, for, I think, for any of the guys, truly, because when you have a team with this limited depth that KU does have, you can't afford to have multiple guys potentially struggling or being kind of dead weight, so to speak, uh, in terms of scoring and in terms of contribution. So I went Timberlake as my last pick, and Derek, not wanting to go with El Marco either, he picked Jamari McDowell. Uh, and again, I think this was basically an, an, a, uh, an addition by subtraction pick from Derek. He's thinking, you know, maybe El Marco gets minus 15 or whatever, potentially again if he has another bad game, whereas Jamari might only get like minus five possibly or something like that if. Uh, if he struggles. So that's our rock chalk pickahawk for KU Oklahoma. Derek has Hunter Dickinson, KJ Adams, Parker Brown, Jamari McDowell. I have Kevin McCuller, Johnny Furphy, Dewan Harris, Nick Timberlake. And as much as KU needs a win here this afternoon, this upcoming afternoon, tomorrow against Oklahoma, I need a win in Pickahawk badly. I'm at six and twelve, and I'm 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 digging a hole here now where I don't know if I'll be able to climb out of it or not. So hopefully, hopefully I can hopefully I can get a win here in a Pickahawk. All right, on to our KU basketball game picks for this game against Oklahoma. I am 23 and 17 and 1 on KU game picks. I think I had a I had Kansas against UCF that obviously lost, but I think I had the under which did hit. So I was successful there. Uh, and then Derek is 25 and 15 and 1 on our KU game picks. Our lines come to you from DraftKings Sportsbook. And uh, on DraftKings, KU is minus 5 against Oklahoma at home at Allen Fieldhouse. Oh, man, I've gone back and forth on this. I'm really torn here as, as to what to do. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I feel like for Kansas, they definitely can win this game, and I think they, they – I honestly would probably pick Kansas straight up, but I don't know, five points, man, that's a lot of points. Uh, I could see it happening, but I'm going to go with Oklahoma here. Derek has also decided to go with Oklahoma. I could see Kansas winning this game by three or four points. It's just that you know, after the UCF game even more – this is not a KU team that I think is is capable of maybe getting out to big leads and then maintaining them, right? Because they it seems like they have to labor at such a high level to be successful, and you can't expect that throughout the entirety of the game. So I don't know. Even if they get out to a 10, 15-point lead against Oklahoma at some point in the game, I don't know if they'll be able to maintain that. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Uh, Derek has gone with Oklahoma as well. The over-under is 143. This is an Oklahoma team that plays at a relatively fast tempo, uh, so to speak, they're they're really really efficient from two, uh, led by Otega Owe as who's shooting over sixty percent from two on the year, and um, Javion McCollum is a good three point shooter as well. Otega Owe shooting sixty seven percent by the way on threes on just twenty one attempts though, so he's not a high volume shooter, but when he's open he does knock him down. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the over here. I'm gonna go with over over one forty three uh, is my pick. Derek has also decided to go with uh, the over here. Uh, for KU and Oklahoma. So 143, we're both on the over. Uh, we're both also on Oklahoma, although I anticipate Kansas can still win this game. It, it, it's going to be a tough game, though, right? I think if, if you're Oklahoma coming into this game, you're thinking this is a Kansas team that's a little bit wounded, which on one hand can may make you think, okay, we have a chance to really pounce on them here, but on the other you know, when you got a wounded team, when you got a wounded team like Kansas, they may come out in a flurry at Allen Fieldhouse with the support of sixteen thousand three hundred there at Allen Fieldhouse tomorrow afternoon. That's our Rock Chuck Pickahawk and KU game picks for today's show. As a reminder, if you missed any of our previous segments from today's show, had a great conversation with Kent Swanson of the KC Laboratory. Had a really fun conversation with uh, Holly Kirkskeeter of KU Women's Basketball earlier in the show as well. You can check those out on the Best of RCSD podcast anywhere you get your podcasts including KUSports.com. 
Coming up next, high school basketball coverage of Lawrence High against Mill Valley. The girls will be up first, and the boys coming up shortly thereafter right here on KLWN. But that is it for this edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. It's been a great week. It's been a great week on RCST. Derek uh, welcomed in a new baby girl earlier in the week, so congratulations to Derek. Probably he'll be out a little bit more uh, next week as well. Might get him back maybe late next week or into the following week as well. So I'll be holding it down for you all week, uh, long ne- probably majority of the week long next week as well here on RCST. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. On Monday, we'll get into KU Oklahoma, recapping that, and also look at the uh, wild card weekend, the super wild card weekend, uh, including the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins and the rest of the wild card matchups. So plenty to cover early next week here on RCST that we'll get into on Monday. But until then, hope everyone has a safe and warm weekend here, especially if you're in the area. Try to stay warm out there uh, with the temperatures going to be hitting zero and wind chills in the negative 20s probably. So uh, definitely stay warm. Stay warm out there. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. This has been Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Thanks so much to our guests for today, Kent Swanson and Holly Kirkskeeter. And thanks so much to you for listening. This show would not be possible without you guys, the listeners. So thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you on Monday. High school basketball coverage is next. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter rcst1320am at gmail.com that's rcst1320am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time Monday through Friday on KLWN KLWN KLWN.com and the KLWN app have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast